0: Be that in your world. So today we're going to talk about what it takes to heal. And we're going to talk about what it takes to heal from a very real life person named Naaman. Now what I want you to know about Naaman is this. He was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Okay, if you don't know what leprosy is, I encourage you to Google it. You understand that 30 years ago or 40 years ago, the word Google did not exist, right? It's a new, it's a word that has been created, right? Okay, so Google it, and you will see what leprosy does. It it it, it costs you appendages. It costs you digits. Um, in in the time of Second Kings, all the way up through the New Testament. You know, if you had leprosy, you could not associate with society. There are certain parts of leprous culture that you had to wear a bell and so that people knew you were coming. And if you had leprosy and you saw a group of people coming, you had to yell at them and tell them that you were unclean. You had to use the word unclean to describe yourself. So what we know about Naaman right now is that Naaman was a big deal. You know anybody that thinks they're a big deal? Right. I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm kind of a big deal around here. Right? Okay, so <laughs> so many, many years ago I'm interacting with this group of pastors, and we make fun of each other constantly, and look if you don't have anybody in your life that can make fun of you, you don't have the right people in your life. <laughs> right? I'm serious. Right? So we would say stuff like that, like, I don't even know, but I'm kind of a big deal around here. Or we would say something like this. We know, um I deserve a seat uh, equivalent to a man of my stature. Okay. So we all understand how silly and foolish that is, but Naaman was a big deal. Not only was he a big deal to the king whom he served, he was a big deal, he was a a valiant soldier, but also Naaman was a big deal to himself, and that's part of our problem. Part of Naaman's problem. So Naaman being the big deal that he was has the most horrible disease of anybody in this in his society anybody in this culture this isolated Naaman from everyone and so something happens that Naaman could not make happen something happens totally beyond his control which we all desperately need in our lives what i've realized about this place that we are currently sitting in is that when we looked at a budget and we looked at all the things that needed to happen in this place, there's nothing that we have done that overwhelmed me. There's nothing in this space and all the renovation work, nothing freaked me out, nothing made me panic, nothing made me lose sleep except the floor underneath your feet. This floor caused me sleepless nights because I thought it was going to be an easier solution than it was and it was not and god bless ron wolf or maybe god bless Ra- mary wolf for putting up with ron wolf but ron wolf finally gets back from vacation cuz they go to a, all they do is vacation right so there's this brief amount of time they show back up and I called him and I said are you ready to go to work and he said no and I said that's not an option i need you to solve this problem i do not i and at the time i and i still don't not have the mental emotional spiritual physical energy to solve this problem i'm solving a bunch of other problems you need to handle this and so he did so out of indianapolis he finds a he finds a floor grinder of all floor grinders if floor grinders could reproduce every other floor grinder came from this floor grinder <laughs> runs, on propene, propene, runs on propane propane runs on propane has a vacuum with it. It is a monster. And some of you on site when this thing was running and I had pictures of it and you helped sweep the floor and you helped clean this up, I'm guessing we may have hauled out a couple thousand pounds of concrete dust from this room and that room. It was a monster. And so he helped solve that problem and got us underway. Uh, but uh, there was th- that was something that somebody else had to do. And just like a bunch of other things in this process. Right now we to finish everything we want to finish, we are looking at about thirty grand to finish everything we need to do. Let's finish this room, finish that room, and be done. So if that's in your wheelhouse, man, you need to see me face to face and say, Here's what needs to happen. Okay. Now having said that, let me say this. We all need people outside to help us end up where we're gonna end up. Right? It doesn't matter if we're talking about this space or your home or your personal life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, your physical life. We need people outside to help us get where we're going. And so, things outside of Naaman's control begin to happen. So here's here's where we get to. Now, bands from Aram, raiding bands, had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Man, this is just a fantastic little thing that you need to pull out and understand. This young girl, this is not the story that she wanted for her life. They take her, prisoner, they enslave her, and she ends up working in Naaman's household for Naaman's wife. This is not how she wanted her story to play out. She wanted her story to play out, hey, I'm going to grow up in my mom and dad's home. They're going to find some guy for me to marry an arranged marriage, which everybody had an arranged marriage then. Um, and we're gonna get married, we're gonna have kids, and I'm gonna live my life happily ever after. You understand that happily ever after looks a lot different to everybody. So, this is what she thinks her life is going to be. Naaman never thought he was getting up with leprosy. We need people outside to help us get where we're going. So, even though her story is not looking like she thought it was, it was important. So that you and I could sit here and talk about not just her story, but Naaman's story. So in order to heal, we're going to talk about a handful of things that absolutely need to take place so that you and I can heal. And the very first one is this. In order for healing to take place in our lives, we have to know where to go. I want you to understand that Naaman would never have known where to go if it hadn't been for this little girl who was, who was ripped away from her family. Let that sink into you. Naaman would have had no hope of redemption if it had not been for this little girl. So, she shows up on the scene. She says to Naaman's wife, she says, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Huh. Naaman had no idea that there was somebody out there who knew the God of heaven who could do something with his life let me ask you are there people in your world that need to know that you know the God of heaven that can do something about their life they're broken, they're hurting they're desperate, they're lost maybe lost in the truest sense of the word meaning they're outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ or maybe they're just stumbling through life and they don't know why they're stumbling and they need somebody to help them and they have no idea where to go and here you show up so in order for healing to take place, we need to know where to go. And this little girl, who we have no idea what her name is, says to a guy who is thought to be a big deal, not just by other people, but by himself, she says to him, who is she is so far below his station, she has no right, she has no power, she has no authority, she just simply knows somebody who does, and says, I know somebody who can help him if he would only go there. Now there's some hooks in Naaman's life. And there and, and we're going to talk about them uh, somewhat disjointed, but the very first one we need to talk about is that we need to be willing to do whatever it takes. Naaman went to his master, this is the king, and told him what the girl from Israel said. Okay, stop right there. Now, understand this. How utterly foolish it may sound for Naaman, who was a really big deal in the eyes of the king. He shows up to the king and says, hey, this little slave girl told me this story. That makes no sense in their culture. But you also understand that Naaman is a point of desperation. So he is willing to do, he appears to be willing to do everything he can to be healed. So he goes to the king and says, hey, there's this little girl, here's a story. The king says, by all means, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. Do you think Naaman wanted to get healed? Because he's bringing a treasure to make sure this thing happens. So he appears to be willing to do whatever it takes. So the king gives him the letter, and here's what the letter says. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Okay. Here's what I want to say to you. And this is the thing that just came to me, so I'm hoping it's, Really, really hoping it's from the Holy Spirit. What just happened? Naaman is going to the king of Israel with this letter saying, Hey, Naaman's got this problem. You need to help him. The king says, Are you kidding me? Am I God? What's going on? Some of you need to abandon the the lie that you believe that I am going to fix what's wrong with you. That I'm the one that's going to take you by the hand and take you by the hand and say you need to kiss and make up. For heaven's sake, some of you have been believers for, for longer than I've been alive and you need to figure this out. You need to look at somebody in the face who has hurt your feelings and say, this is what you did to hurt my feelings. We need to fix this. You need to stop blaming me for your dysfunction and figure it out. You need to apologize. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to put your big boy pants on, look at somebody in the face and say, I have sinned against you. I didn't mean to, but evidently I did. You need to figure out that you are responsible for what you say and how you act. And stop blaming everybody else. Are we clear? And I need to do the same. I need to do the same. So, Naaman shows up to the king, and the king loses his mind. Like, holy smoke. Why? And he, he, he sees this as an instigation. Like, man, you're picking a fight with me. And are you just antagonizing? What's the problem? So the king obviously knows that things are beyond his control. Now, it's always interesting how God shows up and how God reveals himself to people. I have a wonderful friend who God always tells him stuff. And I when I interact with this man I go, okay, why doesn't God tell me that stuff? Or he does and I just don't listen. Or I you know, I have too much other stuff in here and I need to get stuff out so God can speak to me and I can hear from him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, Elisha finds out what's happening. When Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man have the man come to me. And he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. Elisha says, dude, this is not your problem. It's not your problem. It's not your problem. It's not your problem. One of my character flaws is I think everything is my problem. Some of you know that. You know that. There are times where I, I take everything personally. And if it's broken, I want to I wanna do the thing I just told you I shouldn't be doing. Instead of looking at you in the face and going, for heaven's sakes, figure it out. Own your stuff. Look at somebody in the face and, and help them own their stuff. So, Elisha says, why are you freaking out? This is the thing. I wonder all the time if God looks down at us as his children and says, why are you freaking out? What do you think happened before you got here? You think the world didn't spin when you weren't around? You think that the world was just going crazy without you in it? I wonder often if God looks down at us and goes, man, I'm so glad you're here. What was I going to do without you? And I go, I know, right? Exactly. If it weren't for Kim and I, we'd be going to hell in a handbasket. And I often wonder if God's going, really? Dude, I don't know what God calls me. I have a really good idea what God calls me. Because Isaiah says that God is. Isaiah says that God has written my name on the palm of his hand. Revelation says that I have a new name. So. Elisha, in the stroke of brilliant speaking the words of God, says, Okay, look, it's not all about you. Pump your brakes. Go sit back down before you hurt yourself. Send the man to me so that he will know that God shows up in this place. So, Naaman (laughs) proceeds. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Now, Naaman's a big deal, remember? So he's not getting off the metro bus. He's got an entourage. Horses and chariots and folks with him uh, that's carrying his stuff. Naaman doesn't carry his own luggage, right? Naaman gets to the airport and there's a guy with a sign saying, Naaman, the big deal. And they go out to the limo. So he shows up at Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him. Elisha doesn't see him face to face. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you know who I am? I'm naming the big deal. Elisha doesn't even go talk to him face to face. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm naming. Maybe you've heard of me. Don't Don't you read about me on the Internet? I have a big deal around here. Naaman sends a messenger to him. He says, go wash yourself seven times in Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. Now, the Jordan River is a dirty river. still is a dirty river. It was a dirtier river then. He says, go wash yourself, and you'll be cleansed. That's all i got to do? You're telling me this disease that will cost me my fingers and my toes and my nose and my ears, and eventually I will die horribly alone. You're telling me all I gotta do is jump in the river seven times, and it's gone. That's it. You're kidding. There's no better news that he could have heard. So what do you think Naaman does? Right, he runs to the river. Uh, not so much, because Naaman pro- Naaman's first stumbling block in in not allowing himself to be healed is that he he won't be humble. So if you really want healing in your life and all your relationships, then you be humble. So Naaman went away angry, made him mad. I thought he would surely come out to me because I'm a big deal and stand and call in the name of the Lord as God and wave his hands over the spot and cure me of my leprosy because evidently Naaman has seen faith healers on TV. Right? He has seen this happen where somebody's losing their minds and all this crazy. Uh, surely, a man of my stature deserves personal attention. Surely, he's heard my name, seen me in the paper. Surely, he knows who I am. How could he not come out, call the name of his Lord, and And wave his hands over it? Naaman had figured out what he deserved to happen. And the fact that he refuses to be humble gets in the way of his healing. So I ask you, how is your pride and your arrogance help keeping you from being healed? So, Naaman's mad. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers in Damascus, better than any waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in a rage. Look, I got nicer rivers at home. Why can't I go there? Really? That's that's it. You won't humble yourself and just do the thing you're asked to do? You're going to dig your heels in and draw a line in the sand because you don't think you should have to do that thing? Really? You're so proud and you're so arrogant that you won't humble yourself and go, "That's all I got to do?" Man, I'm on that. No, no, no. See, I got nicer rivers at home. Why don't I just go home and do that? Because that's not what God said you had to do. That's why. One of the most drastic and glaring problems in our healing is that we think we make the rules instead of saying, "Okay, God, that's what I need to do. I'm all in." Wait, wait. I don't. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And God says, "Well, if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to do that thing you wanted, I would have told you to do that thing you wanted." But that's not what I'm telling you to do. So son of a gun, do this thing. So Naaman goes away mad. Because he refuses to be humble. So it's not enough that that Naaman was just willing to do what it takes. It's not enough to be willing if you don't do it. Do you get that? You can be willing all day long but not do it. So... In order for healing to take place in our lives, we actually have to do what it takes. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? What a great revelation. You see, Naaman, because of his stature, wanted to do a big great thing that would not have been demonstrating his humility. That would have been demonstrating how great Naaman thought he was. Because he got to do a great thing. So no, go wash yourself in the dirty river, Naaman. That ain't going to happen. So God sends servants into his life to say, "Um, Okay, hold on. So if God asked you to give this, 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 and this, or or build this thing, you would have done it because that would have been a monument to you, not to God. But because God says, hey, go wash yourself in this river, you think that's beneath you. I find it very difficult in the healing process to esteem other people better than myself. Can you relate to that? To be, just to humble yourself to somebody else. That's what I have to do? Okay, that's what I have to do. I don't need to argue about it. I need to plead my case. I don't need to draw my line in the sand and dig my heels in and be stubborn and arrogant and proud. That's what I have to do? Okay, that's what I'll do. Just tell me. That's what I'll do. So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Not an old, worn-out warrior. No more leprosy. So now imagine... Naaman, go down dip yourself in the river seven times. Naaman goes down once. He looks the same. Goes down twice. Looks the same. Three, four, five, six, and he looks the same. Now you're thinking what I'm thinking and what Naaman's thinking. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not gradually getting better. I'm not gradually, my fingers aren't gradually growing back after five and six times. I look the same after six. So why do I think that after seven I'm going to look different? Because God said you would. Sometimes it is that simple. So seven time comes up clean, like a little kid, right? So for some of you who maybe look like I do, a little worn out, a little wrinkled here and there, not as skinny as we once were, we're looking for the Jordan River. Right? Whatever it takes, that's what we will do. And so, in order for healing to take place, we not only have to be willing, we not only have to be humble, but we actually have to do the thing. Not just be willing to do it, not just say it, but actually do the thing that God says will will bring healing to us. So I wonder, why do you say no? Why do you dig your heels in? Why do you stand ground that you don't have the ground to stand on? Why is it so difficult for us to look at somebody and say, I should have done better and I didn't. I need you to forgive me. Why? What are we gaining by digging our heels in? I'm not talking about standing on a biblical right principle. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying We refuse to be humble. We refuse to do the simple things. You know, the Bible, Jesus said, um, if you go to worship or you go to the altar and you know that somebody has um, something against you, you leave your sacrifice there, you go find them and make it right, and then you come back and offer your sacrifice. He says, do everything you can, everything within your power to keep the unity of the church in the bond of peace. So anything, that, any attitude that I have that causes disunity is sin. And I'm hurting myself, I'm hurting all my relationships, and I am causing disunity in the church and I refuse to be healed. What I've also seen is that we love other people to be healed. We love when other people come to us and say, "Man, I sinned against you. Please forgive me." Oscar Kawanishi reminded me of something I'd said a long time ago, and I'd forgotten I said it. and And Oscar is brilliant at this stuff because he will say to me all the time, "You know, you said," and I'm like, "That was brilliant. I said that. <laughs> when did I say that? I should have wrote that down because that had to be the Lord." So a long time ago, I talked about our relational economy and how that we use love like we do money. So we loan love like we loan money to get something in return. I strongly encourage you never to loan money to a friend. Let's give it to them. Let's give it to him, And we have to treat love the same way we have to treat love as something we just give away because if i give it to you and expect something back that's not really love i've just created a barter system with you and i've created and i've developed an economy that none of us will profit from we will only lose from that so we have to get away from this economy of a trade all of those behaviors hinder our own personal healing I love it when people come to me and say, man, I sinned against you. Please forgive me. Yeah, you're right. I was wondering if you were to come around. Listen, this is what we say. We don't say it out loud because we understand it will sound like smucks. But what we say to our hearts is, that you're finally seeing things my way. You're sitting in the back of the bus. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that to us? Aren't you glad that God sends people in our lives that say, hey, you know, there's somebody that can fix this. He's over there. All you got to do is talk to him. What it takes to heal. We will not escape this in our lives. We will be in a healing process forever. Forever until we leave this world and, and enter the gates of heaven. We will be constantly in a healing process we as a church we as individuals have to be deliberate about that that when there is a when there is tension when there's strife when there's conflict when there's we need to address it for what it is say whatever it is there's worse things in my life than getting my feelings hurt there's wor- and there's worse things in your life than having your feelings hurt i would much rather somebody hurt my feelings and love me authentically then blow smoke up my skirt and me think they really love me. We have too many of those people already. There's people all around you in your life. Love somebody authentically. Be open and transparent. Give your opinion. Speak your peace. But do not run away. Simply do not run away. Can I say that strongly enough to you? Do not run away. Because wherever you go, There you are. Roger sang a song a few weeks ago called The Weight of Lies. Right? The weight of lies will run you down. They'll follow you to every town. Everywhere you go, there you are. So, what it takes to heal, it's inescapable in our lives. Naaman is such a great example to that. If you're asked to do it, then you do it. Don't make excuses why you're unwilling. Don't dig your heels in and draw a line in the sand where you don't have a stick to draw a line and you don't have the the, the sand to draw it in. If you're asked to be humble, if you're asked to change, then you do it. For heaven's sakes, we just do it. That's difficult and it's challenging. It's very difficult in my life right now, so I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, and, and this is a story some of you know. Um, you know Madison, my daughter. She was she was here last week, and it's difficult for Maddie to be here. And some of you know that. You know why. And so here's the thing: you got to stop asking Maddie about her mom. Do you see what I'm saying? Just stop. Makes it hard on her. Okay. She knows you love her. Denise knows you love her. Okay, so just give Maddie a break. Just slow you down, right? Maddie's a great kid, man. She loves you guys. She misses you guys, and Denise does too. So I met Maddie's boyfriend for the first time um, a little while ago. Now you've seen Max. Max is like six foot six. He weighs a buck ten, soaking wet, right? So he meets Mr. Stevens, right? So first time we meeting is on a golf course. So we go play and hang out. And Max is a really good and humble kid. So we get the whole five. And um, and so we're talking, and, and Max gets out of the cart and I said, you yeah, Max, I want to tell you two things. I said, I failed my daughter in a couple significant ways. One is I was not the best husband to her mother. I can fix that, I will, but if I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. I said, the second thing is that somebody hurt my daughter a while ago, and I failed to put a bullet in his head. Some of you aren't laughing because you know the gig. And I said, Max, that second thing, I will never make that mistake again. <laughs> and he said, I totally understand. <laughs> I said, Max, there is no better answer you could have given than that. So Max now rides a motorcycle. So I've ridden motorcycle for uh, since 1991. So Max now rides a motorcycle. Now Max is a big kid. I mean, he looks like this. right? So he shows up at the house. I said, Max, my daughter always wears a helmet on that motorcycle. Yes, Mr. Stevens, I understand. They show up at the house a couple weeks ago. Maddie gets off the bike without a helmet on. I'm standing on the porch. Neither one of them look at me in the eye. So I'm, you've been, you know where my house is. They pull in the driveway, and I'm standing on the step, and I'm talking like this. I said, Max, why doesn't my daughter have a helmet on? And Max looks at the ground. Maddie starts to make excuses. I said, I'm not talking to you talking to you you are the one for responsible with everything that's happened on this motorcycle well we were leaving and blah 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 so now they're in front of me now I'm standing up on the step so I can look Max in the eye because if I was (laughs) like this right so I ain't coming off the step I ain't coming off the step so now we're eye to eye just about and I said you told me you would do this and Maddie's still I said you stop this is me and him you are getting him in trouble you are getting him in trouble. So I said, Max, I, I asked you to do one thing, and you told me you'd do it. You need to know this will never, ever happen again. Do we have an understanding? Yes, Mr. Stevens, I'm very sorry. Okay, so now I'm done with Max. Now I look at my daughter. Do not do this to him. Do not do this to him. So now Max and I are in the garage. Maddie's outside, and I said, Max, um, she's never going to listen to you. So you need to put that big size 22 shoe, whatever it is, you need to put that foot down because she will fight you and fight you and fight you. She's my daughter. She is my genetic offspring. She gets this naturally. She's going to. So do not make Mr. Stevens break one of those big spindly legs. We simply make a choice to move in the right direction. We have hard conversations. We humble ourselves. We not only have to be willing to do what it takes, but we have to do what it takes to heal. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are good and that you love us and that you desire healing in our lives and that you are a healer. That we want to be those people in others' lives and have those people in our lives that will say, hey, look, there's somebody who can do something with what's broken. There's somebody who can heal you. We want to have those relationships. So help us to be those people. Individually, personally, help us to be those people who will ourselves and just simply do whatever it takes. Whether we like it or don't like it, whether we agree with it or don't agree with it, this is what it takes to heal, so this is what we will do. Give us humble hearts. Help us to esteem others better than ourselves. Help us to be excuse-free followers of you. You are good, and we love you, and we are humbled in your presence. And we ask these things, the powerful name.